0: Smith goes for the shot in the back
1: of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes
0: the right the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It is the best night of
1: Crawley. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Straight Red. As ever, we're going to have some feedback, some match reviews, upcoming fixtures, you answer the big question, an interview with Crawley Wasp Naomi Cole, a jam-packed broadfield buzz, and just a little bit of added time. So, Jonathan, episode number 18, we are officially an adult podcast. I hope it's no more of that hot sausage in a box kind of thing. Not that kind of adult, just a milestone that I think is worth mentioning. So 18 episodes, we're all grown up. Right, so feedback, Jonathan, all fairly positive um, from episode number 17. So I'm just going to read out a few quick ones. There was one major talking point. But first of all, uh, thanks to Roy Savage. He said, great listen again, fellas, echoing what most notive all are feeling. Matt Howler said, excellent podcast chaps, particularly the story about the fan in need of help. That was fantastic, wasn't it? Andy Salmon said, top podcast, great Broadfield burst. saw the stuff about the job for that guy, hats off to everyone involved. Peter Bellamy said, we dodged a bullet with Vince Lowe. Now, this is reference to players that we'd sent out on loan or had left senior players since joffey has been in charge. Um, he says he's pl- hardly played at Shrewsbury and he's just had a hip operation, so maybe we did, maybe Peter's right there. Uh, Benjamin McLaughlin said, really enjoyed the podcast. First time I've ever listened, really impressed. We'll be a regular listener from here on out. We've got a new listener. Yes,
0: yeah, so that's total up to what four is it? That's four.
1: You're my mum my and him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George said, only just got a chance to listen. Great pod as always. We're smiling ear to ear from some of the comments you both made. Fantastic brought to Despite the frustration at the moment, nice to see someone from the community helped when they needed it. Keep it up. Um, on the forum, brilliantly done yet again, chaps. You've got a knack of expressing most supporters' thoughts into sound. And finally, enjoyed the podcast. Interesting and accurate comments. That's nice. And as far as the tunneling is concerned, all I hear is mmf, 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 and oh, and John Yems for manager. Um, so I thought that was quite a good comment. Now there was one talking point I mentioned, and. Peter Bellamy picked up on it. He said, Where has Smith been quoted saying that he won't come back until Trophy has gone? So this is reference something I said during the podcast. So what we did, in the interest of journalistic integrity, we asked everybody, we said, in podcast 17, we made reference to a quote by Jimmy Smith saying he wouldn't return to Crawley whilst Gabby was in charge. Now, this is admittedly a bit hearsay. Three or four people we'd know mentioned it, but then again, did those three people just hear it from the first person? We don't know. So we went we went looking for the truth, and it didn't really surface. Um, after we put that appeal out, Phil Monty said, I'm pretty sure Philippe Moraes will know. Not what you mean by that, Phil, but uh, maybe he does. Somebody can ask him. Andy Salmon said, regardless of articles, etc., it seems pretty clear the guy was pushed out, and so I wouldn't want to come back if it was me. Uh, CTFC Fraser said, I was told by a few people on here. I'm sure they have their reasons, but I haven't seen any quote on it. If you look at the comments, he's liking on Insta, and what the yoful manager said after his debut. It's pretty obvious something isn't right. And Ross said, to be honest, the multiple posts he's like, liked slagging off management, give it away. So it's a bit hearsay, make of it what you will, draw your own conclusions. We can't find an absolute specific source, but no smoke without fire maybe?
0: Yeah, well the only article that I could find um, that was written about all of this um, had Jimmy Smith quoted saying that he was shocked at how the Crawley hierarchy had treated him after he'd come back from injury, especially as he was a captain, Um, and he'd been fit for quite a while and wasn't being used. He doesn't understand why, So he kind of made the choice for his career to move away on loan and and put himself first in front of the club. Um, He basically was a little bit confused by all of it. And by the looks of it, it seems like that has been taken. And someone's read in between the lines and thought, oh, Jimmy Smith is annoyed at Trophy. He's not going to come back because of this situation.
1: Yeah, maybe. And again, read into it what you like. What we do try and do on the podcast, of course, is try and be a very reliable source of information. The last thing we want to do is ever start an unsubstantiated rumour. Um, and ugh, we we naturally do pick up on plenty of conversations. That was one going that was going around at the time. That's why we picked up on it. Um, again, no direct source, but it seems to be the right kind of gist as what's going on. Um, so we'll, we'll put that one to bed at the moment. Again, draw your own conclusions. Now, one last thing to say about that um, appeal we put out. The appeal ended with, you want the truth, we want the truth. Does anyone know the truth? Stuart Cook. I I knew somebody would. Somebody came back and said, you can't handle the truth. I knew it was coming. And I said to Stuart, well done. And I promised to say congratulations to him on the podcast on um, such a witty line. So there you go, Stuart. Well done.
0: And as we have Naomi here in the studio, not to put you uh, on the spot or anything, but do you listen to the podcast Have you, or is this your first time experiencing us?
2: I'm going to be honest and say it's the first time. So from what the gist of everything that I've got so far, it is pretty witty. <laughs> you guys are pretty honest and you're just trying to engage the fans. So I'll try and keep track as much as I can as we're going along.
1: It's two new listeners.
0: So into the matches that have um, occurred since our last podcast. Four matches have taken place. Uh, The one that happened the furthest away from when we're recording now was uh, the 2-1 loss to Cambridge away. Annoyingly, two late goals conceded. That was uh, thoroughly disappointing um, from a Reds fan point of view to see that happen. Then, of course, was the FA Cup with Crawley's 4-1 win over Scunthorpe. Um, Wonderful to see Nadison score a Poacher's goal. He seemed to get a bit more confidence after that and also... Grigo Cox, two fantastic finishes from him. So great to see that from the uh, the young lad. I think for me, the incredible bit was Crawley were, scored
1: against them a late equaliser and they went on to score three goals. Yeah, they kept I mean, on going. We're famous for collapsing in the last 10 minutes. We did exactly the opposite, scored three goals after an equaliser.
0: And I don't want to get too carried away, but I thought this performance showed a few signs of the ruthlessness that the 2010 back-to-back promotion team showed but as we go on to future ties, I probably did speak a little too soon by saying that because the next match was the, the leasing.com trophy, Ewan's favourite competition. Uh, Reds lost four goals to one at home to Oxford. A relief? I just
1: sort of dismissed that anyway. I, do you know what? If we lost 10 1, it wouldn't have bothered me in the slightest. It's, just, it's such a non competition.
0: couldn't care less what the score is. And then finally, coming up to the most recent match, back in the league. Crawley drew one all at home to Morecambe, 21 Uh. shots, three on target. I think that kind of sums it up. Um, Do you know what? Just one thing to point on the FA
1: Cup game as well, just before we go back to Morecambe. Attendance, 1,706 with 192 away. So 1,514 Crawley fans at an FA Cup game at home. That's horrific, isn't it? I mean, e- even a poor league attendance is about two thousand—and the, the fans—they're sort of voting with their feet. It's absolutely clear. I know we had loads of cup games, and all the cup games cost extra when you're not a season to when you are, or not a season to get older. So I completely get that, but I was still surprised at how low that figure was. And um, right on to Morecambe uh, before the Morecambe game, Urdom Conyer tweeted. Today is about spirit, strength and unity on the pitch. From the first second to the last, we must give our all. This is a special team and we must demonstrate this consistently. Nolly Sadir. Nolly
0: Sadir, of course. He finishes all of his tweets off like that, doesn't he? Um,
1: but we didn't again. And that's the disappointing thing. That I'm not going to dwell on this because it's no change from the last podcast, but we are still poor. We still have no fight apart from 10 minutes against Scunthorpe. Um, there's just nothing to get excited about at the moment. Going to games, it feels like a bit of a chore um, and, a, and a bit of a task rather than an exciting hobby. Um, and as we saw, um, again, another late equaliser against the team bottom of the league. And then after the game, Erdem Konya tweeted this, a very uh, polar contrast to the first one. It was, I apologise to all the fans and the chairman. Ultimately, it is now a period of accountability, including myself. We are falling short of our expectations and we are well aware of this. Reaction is paramount. Nolly Sidiri <laughs> um, And there were some very harsh um, comments coming back to that. I'll just read out a few. This is just to give you a gist of what was said. Uh, Pat Harper said, I'm sorry, he's got to go. Matt Howlett said, he has had enough chances. Change is needed. Jason Walsh said, the period is over. Are we waiting until our season is written off before we take action? Are we waiting until the fans start uh, protesting and staying away? I never like to see anyone lose a job. But this is a results business and the results are poor and actions speak louder than words. John Lucy said, same old excuses, Erdem. Chiofi is stealing away The the are diminishing week by week and will continue as long as the Italian claim is in charge. Please be honourable by jogging him on. And Jai Sarra said, reaction this, reaction that. Same old every week, Erdem. Expect the same after Exeter, folks. And Jai Sarra gave me an idea on that comment okay do you remember I'm sure you will in our first few episodes we had a really rubbish game didn't we a bit of a quiz you start off let's not talk about jeans but it was just a bit of a quiz Um, and nobody liked it so we got rid of it which I thought was a good idea
0: have you got another game
1: I've got an idea for another game and I've even got a theme tune
0: Is this straight red bingo by any chance? It's
1: straight red match day bingo, okay? So, on a match day now, any tweet by a club official, if it contains one of the following paragraphs or phrases, you've got to reply to it. Just use the hashtag straight red bingo. And everybody that does wins a prize. We'll mention them on the next podcast, okay? Here are the phrases you're looking out for in match day or club official tweets on the day of a game before or after, okay? Ready?
0: Can I guess one of them? Yeah. Nolly Sidere. You've ruined it. <laughs> right.
1: This squad will compete. Passion and desire. Keep the faith. Spirit of strength and unity. This team will regroup. We wear the badge with honour. We go again. And Nolly Sidiri. Any of those phrases, and you win a prize, and you get to hear this again. I N G O B I
0: N G O. Next time we'll plug this in through the the system you know we can do this now we've got we've got expensive gear
1: that's the best i could do at short notice. okay (laughs) so the hashtag straight red bingo if you spot any of those phrases we'll put them up on our twitter account um you won't win a prize you just get your name right don't
0: yeah i like that probably could do better than my uh, jeans game could
1: be a game that works um right so fixtures coming up then what's coming up
0: um, so coming up for us uh, I've chosen the next four matches um, as we probably will have a podcast before, before too soon Extra at home this coming Saturday now mm. when I first saw this team I thought oh uh, I mean I'm still thinking of it all but they've actually moved down the table a little bit they sit in fifth at the moment on 30 points lost their past two games maybe there's a chance of a draw still sky high above ours though aren't they yep it could be difficult and then of course it's the FA Cup returns uh, the fixture's been moved from Saturday to the Sunday now. So Sunday the 1st, kick-off at 2pm um, at the People's Pension Stadium. And it's against Fleetwood. They're currently 8th in League One. Joey Barton's their manager.
1: Yeah, um, Oh, that's what I think about Ashley madison aren't I? Because he yes. came from there and, and Joey Barton wanted him to stay at Fleetwood. Now he's at Crawley. Um, they can meet each other again, I suppose, can't they?
0: Yeah, but also Joey Barton. What a, a character. What
1: a! I was going to say knob. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah,
0: I was trying to be a bit PC, but you don't do that, do you? I'm going for a win against Fleetwood. Yeah. Oh, I'm going for a draw um, and lose away in the return leg. Yeah, I could see that happening as well. But I'm trying to be a bit optimistic here. Moving on to Stevenage um, away, currently bottom of League Two. Are they?
1: Oh yeah, because Morgan got a point against us, didn't they? Yeah. Um, one all draw.
0: Who God knows?
1: I'm going for a optimistic win again. Yeah, I, I've got to say win. You've got to win a game at, in the end, haven't you?
0: And then Port Vale at home on the 14th of December. Eighth in League Two. I'm going for a draw. <sighs> yeah, I'll ta- I, w- I would take a draw. I would take four points
1: from those three league games. And um, I think that's the best we can probably hope for. Of course, being optimistic, you want to win all three. But I cannot see us beating Exeter. Although they've lost three of their last five. Only won one of, th- only won one of their last five. Um, Crawley haven't won any of their last five so even Stevens isn't it
0: I mean it's all up for grabs isn't it this is just a
1: it's league two guess isn't it it is um, so there the fixtures oh do we Port Vale yeah I it just chatted Port Vale oh did you I missed that you listening to what I'm saying mm, well you know you people to sleep we've, said <laughs> we've been through this um, so four points from those next few league games would be nice a win in the FA Cup would be wonderful I think that's
0: the absolute best Crawley can hope for at the moment So we've just focused a lot of time on Crawley Town who obviously are not doing very well at the moment which is a little sad to see and you and your philosophy on this podcast has always been let's try and be positive. So there's another team in town really and it, that's the Crawley Wasps team and we've got the the captain of that team with us now, Naomi. So great to have you on the podcast with us and I was had the pleasure of being invited down to see uh, Crawley Wasps play Portsmouth uh, last weekend which was fantastic and well as you guys here this evening will know in the room in the podcast uh i kind of cut it a bit tight with timings because I, I i turned up three minutes before we went to start recording and i did the same thing on Sa- uh, on sunday i turned up three minutes before kickoff to be faced with a a rammed car park so i had to then drive away and park somewhere else ended up missing kickoff uh typical me really <sighs> um but having said that the match uh i, I saw from sort of 10 minutes onwards uh, it was Great level of football. Uh, Such a real good community feel around the ground and some really good defensive and attacking play from both teams. And of always, it's great to see um, Crawley win three goals to one against Portsmouth. So, uh, fantastic result for you guys.
2: Yeah, to be honest, we were looking at that game as an opportunity to take three points. Portsmouth had been doing really well, but we felt like we could take something from that game. And the performances prior to that were a little bit poor from our side. So, we knew we had to become better and it's a bit cliche me saying all these you know we need to be better we need to be more positive you hear it enough from your side of things in terms of the men's side but we feel like we can actually dictate that and actually put words into actions a little bit
0: and talk about men's and women's football just briefly I have to say I was surprised as to how many men I saw at the game involved with Crawley Wasps as in in the backroom staff but also uh, on the pitch as officials and Is that generally the case in women's football? Because you don't really see that in men's football. You don't see many women involved in the backroom staff and officials.
2: Yeah, it depends. A lot of clubs will have men-based a lot more than women in the club. But I've also been at clubs where it has been female-dominated as well. Some games we do have female linesmen, female referees, things like that. But the majority of the time it is male. But it is a little bit more balanced in the women's game. But um, predominantly you will have male staff members and backroom staff.
0: So let's spend a time chatting about you, Naomi. For you, why did you pick up football?
2: Oh God. We're going back about twenty five years here. Um initially it was I was watching my brother play when I was probably like three two or three years old really, and just running around with a football. Loved it ever since. So that's all I've ever known really. I've grown up watching football, playing football. Uh, my family live and breathe it really and it's all I've ever known and I can't really imagine myself not doing it so I've always been involved and I think work's kind of filtered in alongside that as well.
0: And was it always football or did you like other sports as well? You're generally quite a sporty person.
2: No, always football. I did do ballet a little bit but we won't talk about that too much. Football <laughs> was definitely the one.
0: You mentioned that you kind of live and breathe football instead so do your family. Is there any footballers that you particularly looked up to as as a younger person but also now as a professional Play yourself
2: um I mean it's going to sound really really weird but I actually used to watch videos of Beckenbauer it sounds very very odd and you wouldn't really hear many people say that but my dad was quite fond of him as a player and he actually supports Southampton so I watched a lot of kind of Matt Letizier um Jason Dobb people like that so it's more old school players and I think my style of play is very old school in terms of you know keeping the ball playing things like that but um and then you kind of look into like the England team, you had your David Beckhams, you had your Michael Owens, people like that. So I don't know really, it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint one player because I've played a number of different positions and it's kind of changed your mentality in terms of who you look up to. But um, a lot of players have had a factor on you know, how I've played and what I've actually done.
1: We know how well the, the women England's team are doing in the last few years, but you've mentioned sort of Beckham Bower and Beckham there. Is, is there is any sort of women's players that you particularly looked up to or even do now?
2: Um, one I will say is Faye White, and it's quite convenient that actually she's a born and bred kind of 3 Bridges Crawley cruelly person. Um, she was at Arsenal. She was one of the first people I actually spoke to when I actually went to Arsenal when I was younger. And she was fantastic in terms of looking after younger players and just being that role model, being England captain, captain at Arsenal. The way she conducted herself was just fantastic. And if I learned anything from anybody, it was going to always be her.
0: And looking forward to the future now, do you still aspire to to play at that top level, to play for England and represent your country?
2: It would be fantastic to. I mean, it's any person's dream to play for their country. And I've been fortunate enough to play at a younger level. But I feel like the game has developed so much now that younger players in this country have actually got the opportunity to stay at those bigger clubs, filter through the system and be picked up and be exposed to that higher level of football at a younger age. Whereas For me, I had to go out on loan, had to fight my way through the systems and I've been up and down throughout the leagues and there is quality in the lower leagues. I think that needs to be said, you know, um, especially in our league, there is players there that are more than capable of playing in the Championship or the WSL. So I think it's not something that no one should aspire to not do. It's always there if the capabilities are there to do it because there is teams that will pick up players from our league and leagues above us as well.
0: And how does football for you logistically sort of work? Because you have another job as well, right? Would you count football as like your your second job or would you treat it as your main career?
2: Um, I used to treat it as my main career, but now I see it as like my hobby as such because at Crawley, frankly, we don't get paid anything. We've got fantastic volunteers at the club that don't do anything. They do it alongside their jobs. All the girls do it for the love of the game. So it's definitely a hobby nowadays, whereas you look at other clubs and they are getting a little bit of financial backing from it. So... Um, You've got to treat it as a full-time job because you've got to take it seriously and obviously you want to do it because you want to win but on the same aspect you've got to look at your full-time job and you have to work it around your work. That's how I've had to adapt my lifestyle as such.
0: I believe you also follow Crawley Town as well on the performances so far this season. What are your thoughts of the Reds so far?
2: I mean, the games that I've been to, they've done okay. Um, so I came to a Tuesday night game and the boys actually done quite well, to be honest, and they got a positive win in that result. But since then, you know, it's been a difficult month. They haven't won since the 12th of October. And it's hard It's hard not to get frustrated about that because there is games like the Morecambe game where they could have actually won the game and they should win the game. You're playing against a team that's bottom of the league and there's no excuse for that despite a dip in form. So... For me, it is a bit frustrating seeing the boys struggling when they are capable of performing better than what they are. But it's it's like all the cliche sayings that you guys have been saying. You have to perform for the shirt. You have to want to play. And you can't just turn up and it seemed like a difficult day at the office. You you have to grind out those results. You have to turn it into a positive. And the only person you can look at is yourself. It's easy to blame it on the manager and on things like that. But from a player's perspective especially you know speaking as a captain you have to make sure that your team wants to win the game otherwise you're fighting against yourselves before you're fighting the opposition to get the result
0: and I know you don't know the ins and outs but you just touched upon it there as a footballer yourself do you think fans are too quick to blame the manager for poor performances
2: it's I think it's easy to because they're the ones in the firing line at the end of the day they're they're the 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 optimum change that you can make throughout the season. You look at transfers, you can only make them twice in a season. So if you are going to make the change between September and January, you are going to look at the manager to be making those changes. And if it's not tactically or they're making tactical changes and it's not working, you are going to think, okay, we do need to change a manager. But higher up than that, it depends on the philosophy of what kind of manager you're getting in and what structure you've got in place in terms of managerial appointments, whether you're going for a particular style of manager... That will factor into how your players are going to perform, and whether those players are going to work under certain managers, or whether your ethos is going to change in terms of we're going to go for someone with a little bit more experience, or somebody who knows how to get how to get out of this league. So maybe it does come come from higher up, but I don't I don't disagree with the fans in terms of you know when you look at the manager and blaming it on them. But I, from a player's perspective, you have to take some responsibility as well, and it's hard for players to see a manager that you respect and get on with so well lose their job because of you underperforming it's very difficult it's I can see it from both sides to be honest
0: and for you are you Chiofi in or Chiuffy
2: out <laughs> I mean with the recent results it is hard to back him at the minute but he is a lovely guy I mean we've had co- a couple of conversations with him he's been great in terms of integrating the women's team as much as possible so I'm very much on his side and I believe with the games coming up that you've already spoken about, they have that opportunity to get those results. I think a positive result against Exeter will be massive for the club. And I think that could be the one game that could be pivotal to change it in the next few months.
1: So we know Crawley aren't doing too well at the moment, but you are doing incredibly well. Um, just looking at the lead tables, you've won eight, drawn one, lost one. Um, and you can be a big head now. Did you anticipate it would be this good?
2: In all honesty, we thought it was going to be very difficult, especially with two back-to-back promotions. We were unsure how we were going to get on in this league. However, last season, we did pick up a lot of positive points against teams in this league. So we knew deep down that we could pick up results against the bigger sides in this league. But it's actually doing that on a weekly basis.
1: And how good can you get? I mean, is, is this? Are you are you operating absolute peak performance, or can you go for another promotion? Another promotion? Where does it end, or how far can you see ahead?
2: If we're talking gears of a car, I'd say we're probably in third gear at the minute. We're not we're not at our best, but we're not at our worst either, and that's a positive in a sense that we are getting results, even though we're not at our best. However, there is a lot of there is a lot of factors that may dictate how we progress through the next leagues. Especially women's football is very different to men, so it becomes down to financial criterias rather than if you win the league you're promoted simple as that it doesn't work like that in women's football and that is definitely something that behind the scenes it is in place to look into how we can make that happen but whether that will happen is something we can't control so we just need to concentrate on actually winning games and putting ourselves in a position where we if we can win the league fantastic and I physically believe having played 90% of the teams in the league so far we we're capable of winning the league However, we've got to make sure that happens and then we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, well, you're currently joined top, I suppose you could say, on goal difference at the moment. So on on good route to try and uh, achieve that ambition. Now, you touched upon this um, briefly a, a second ago, and I suppose this is where we'll leave our, our chat today. But Crawley Wasps have been in chats with the Crawley Town men's team about potentially merging the two. What are your thoughts upon that merger happening? Is it good bad?
2: It I think it's great, especially for a place like Crawley, it needs that community feel to it. And that is what Crawley bases itself on a lot in terms of integrating the community and feeling like one team. So for us, it's going to be massive, especially being a club that isn't actually affiliated to a men's team. It's very difficult for you to establish yourself. You look at your Man Cities; they are playing on the doorstep of the Etihad. You've got Chelsea being access to... Stanford Bridge it gives us that opportunity to actually use access
0: to the people's pension stadium
2: people may laugh at that but for us as female footballers that is a huge huge factor actually being able to play at a stadium where it is your own stadium it's your home I mean all our home games have been at East Grinstead It's not in Crawley at the end of the day. It's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. We love East Grinstead. We love the guys there. They've been fantastic. But we don't have a home. We've never had a home for the three seasons that I've been there. So to actually have a club and a place where we can say, do you know what? This is us. This is our club. This is our town. We're going to own it. And we'll put our heart and soul into everything we're doing for the club. And if that is under Crawley Town, fantastic. We will take that and we will absolutely run with it.
0: Yeah, incredible. And if you're uh, worried about uh, attending a Crawley-Wasps match and, and not being uh, enthused, I think you can probably hear through Naomi's voice alone about how great it would be to go and watch them.
2: And just on top of that, if people don't know already, your season tickets will give you free access to our game, our league games. So there's no excuse really. And you guys play on a Saturday, we play on a Sunday. It doesn't clash. So we are more than welcome to come and have as many people through the door we love to have more people there.
0: Yeah, there's no excuse at all. And I'd like to also finally just thank James Laraman, who's also here casting a, a watchful eye over us as we uh, record this podcast for being so great in, in hosting us as a, as a podcaster and inviting us along. It was a, a great afternoon. So thank you. <laughs> Right, thank you so much
1: to Naomi. We're going to move now on to the big question. And what a reaction this got, Jonathan. The big question we asked on Twitter just a couple of days ago was this. If the current run of form continues, what will it do to your enthusiasm for attending matches at Crawley? Now, there was three possible answers. It'll never stop me going to matches. I might start attending less. And I'm already attending less, okay? So I was honestly quite surprised with the results. I wasn't surprised whatsoever that the highest uh, ranking answer was it will never stop me, but it was only 63% that said they'll never stop going to games regardless of the runner form. 10% said they might start attending less if it continues. 26%, Jonathan, already attending less games because of the current runner form.
0: Yeah, uh, that really did surprise me as well. And I, well, it's reflected in, in the replies as well, but I suppose you have to then question the fans and whether you're really a fan. Uh, I, Can it, you it, go into that? I suppose I, some I, people I, have said
1: that. No, I think I think if you're a fan, you're a fan. And I've seen online a few times, it, the word supporter comes up. And if you're a supporter, you support through thick and thin. But on the plain devil's advocate, if it's costing you money every time to go, um, and uh, you've got to look at both sides of the fence. I mean, Thankfully, we're very lucky, doing the AD commentary, we get to go into the games all for free. Would I spend my own money going to watch what I know is most likely going to be a poor performance? I find it really difficult to answer, and I find it very hard to say 100% yes. I continue to spend my money. Um, If you've got a season ticket, of course you can keep going. But if you're not a season ticket holder, and you are buying tickets on a one-by-one basis yes, I probably would hesitate before handing my money over if I knew it was going to be same manager, same performance, same lacklustre effort from the team. Um, it's a really difficult question, and we have some really eye-opening answers as well. Okay, so we had so many. I'm only going to read through about half of them. I know you might pick up on one or two that sort of perked your interest as well, Jonathan. But um, I'm going to start with uh, Roy Savage said, I will always go to support the team, but I can understand why some people will stop coming. We will certainly not attract new fans until the is a change. Pat Harper said, we will always go to watch Crawley, but I fully understand those who decide not to go. The football lately has been dire with no direction. So I feel there needs to be a change, but it won't change. I feel it is too late. Peter Wood said, it won't stop me, but I'm sure people will be inclined to come. If it, They would be inclined to come if it was remotely exciting. Yesterday was the most bored I've ever been at a game for a football for a long time. John Lucy, a long-term fan, John, as well. I used to have a season ticket and go home and away. I now only attend as a carer. If he can't go, neither do I. I've lost interest under the incompetent Italian. And the thing is, I don't miss not going. Thought so I That was quite a telling one. Uh, Kieran Sullivan it won't stop me going going through a time like this makes you appreciate the good times even more I think that's a really key point as well but I understand why people will stop we can't move forward with a manager who refuses to learn from his mistakes I don't think they'll ever sack him Blimey. Ben CTFC said, As a season ticket holder, I usually work my life around home games, but now I seem to miss as many as I attend over the last couple of months because I'm so bored watching this brand of football. That's from a season ticket holder as well. Catherine Oliver said, No matter how well or badly we are doing, I will never turn my back on Crawley and keep coming to matches. Nothing will deter me. Robert Layton, going to a game and having a season to get for a long time now would give me a break from working nearly every day. The cup game last week was the first home game I've missed on purpose for years. I think that says it all. And finally, Andy Salmon, uh, won't stop, but don't look forward to watching the team as much. But I do enjoy meeting up with other fans. I think that the community spirit at Crawley will still keep a lot of people going. We mentioned community spirit a lot in the last episode. Um, your thoughts, Jonathan, any other comments that you wanted to read out based on that?
0: Well, I was just going to ask, um, Naomi, what what are your thoughts as a sort of general football fan? Would you stop going to a game if your team had poor form for a certain amount of time?
2: I I wouldn't say I would. I think it's difficult, especially if you kind of live and breathe football as much as some fans do. Uh, it's difficult for you to turn your back on your team. And like one of your fans said, um, it makes you appreciate the good times a lot more when you are going for a rough patch. And when that change does happen, then you feel like you're getting back on that momentum path towards better things. So for me, I wouldn't give up on my team. It's very difficult because then what are you going to do? Are you just going to jump across to another team? Things like that. It does end up coming back towards, you know, someone who is a diehard Crawley fan. You will still check the results, you will still see what's going on. granted you won't go to the games, but when the excitement and the games start doing get getting a bit better, you are gonna be more excited, and you are gonna get involved, so you will dip out of it a little bit, but you will end up coming back.
0: do you think it's right for fans to vote with their feet as in to to leave the stadium and just, and just not go if if the, if it's really that um,
2: bad it depends how much it affects you, especially if a lot of people do get moody when results aren't going your way. if it is factoring things like that, then yeah do go up and leave but it I suppose it sends a message to the owners and things like that, especially if you're not going through the door, then it does show that the fans aren't interested and they are disengaging from what's happening at the club. And you want, at the end of the day, the fans keep the club running. They live and breathe the team. They want the team to do well. So if the fans aren't enjoying it, the players aren't going to enjoy it. It's a cycle. So you need to get everybody through the door for the same reasons and to create that positive atmosphere.
0: Yeah, a good response. I personally think I would keep on it's, it's really difficult I, I i would keep on going but if it continued to get very bad i probably would stop going to okay. show my lack of excitement i
1: think it depends a lot um, i've probably missed 10 of the last 250 crawley home games but as your life progresses your situation changes and your priorities change so up until the last few years crawley on a saturday i'm there every single game unless something absolutely crazy comes up but now i've got two jobs I've got a pregnant wife. I'm very, very busy. Is Crawley the top of my priority on a Saturday? Currently, yes. When that baby's born, no, it's not going to be. Um, so so things change. I mean, we're really grateful for, for all your answers, and they're very, very honest and eye-opening answers as well. Um, again, those results, 26% already attending less. I think that, not just an eye-opener for me and you, that's got to be an eye-opener for Erdem and the club as well. Right, Jonathan, on to Broadfield Buzz. I've got a few little talking points and some things I need to get off my chest, right? The first one, a bit of bully. It can, can I say it is now officially rubbish?
0: It could be a bit of a Konya because um, he's been on quite a bit, hasn't he?
1: Oh, my goodness. I mean, th- to begin with, the sound quality was bad in episode one. Everybody pointed it out. It's got worse. Th- I listened to episode four for about five minutes. It was unbearable. I can no longer listen. I didn't listen to episode five. And I'm not the only person either, because I was looking through their listener stats on SoundCloud. Episode 1, 450 listens. That's good. That's what we expect for our podcast most of the time, yeah? But we've been going a little bit longer. Episode 3, 350 listens. Episode 5, the one most recent released, but still over 9 days old. So you get 95% of your listeners in the first 7 days. So these are correct stats. Less than 150 listeners. They've lost 65-70% of their listeners. The reason is, the sound is terrible. I mean, it's a podcast. It's not a TV show. You are relying on the medium of people using their ears for the sound. If you're going to make one thing right, even if the content's rubbish, which I don't think it is... You've got to make it sound all right. I mean, it literally sounds like they're using our PA system and recording it through an Argos walkie-talkie with it under their armpit. It's horrific. Um, And I know that sounds maybe a little bit too harsh, but we've told them this. We've said we're happy to help. They have come back and said they've graciously declined our uh, offer. Did they reply? Yeah, they they graciously declined uh, for the time being, which is fine. And um, But they said they're new to podcasts. If they can't fix it, they'll ask for our help. It, it's been broken since episode one. It's got, it's got worse rather than better. Um, I am no longer a listener of a bit of Bully. Unless somebody says episode six, they fixed it. It's amazing. Then I'll start listening again. But for now, I can't.
0: You're officially a bit of Bully out.
1: I'm a bit of Bully out. Uh, one of the most annoying things about this, and I don't mean to bang on about it, but if you're going to do one thing... Keep the microphone the same distance from your mouth the whole time, because it seems to go like this, then it's away, and then it's back to the mouth, and then it goes away again. It's all bloody over the place. Just do that one key element for sound. Um, now, they were very proudly—they said this in episode one—very proudly, the first League Two team to have an official podcast, and they've ruined it. They've ruined that sort of um, that sort of a label they had as the first team to do it. Um, again. I never thought I'd say this is the last thing I'll mention. I feel sorry for the CTSA. And those are words I'd never thought come out of my mouth. And the reason being is they sponsor the podcast in good faith, right? And they pay for the privilege. However, the podcast has lost 70% of its listeners. Are they going to get 70% of their investment back? Because that's what I would expect. If I sponsor Crawley, you know, the stadium, let's just say an arbitrary number, 100 grand. And then the club said, oh, by the way, our reach is reduced by 70%. Well, give me 70% of my investment back then. Um, wh- wh- have you listened to the last couple of episodes?
0: Oh, a bit of bully. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, it making me laugh quite a bit, what you were saying. Um, you're going uh, hell for leather at them, though, I will say, not holding back. Um, but yes, you are right. Audio quality, uh, poor. Nothing really else to add to that, really. I mean, what we
1: proudly do on this podcast, we listen to feedback and react to it, Okay. Things that we've done wrong in the past, we've gotten ridden off, we've moved on, we've improved things. It's almost as if they're just, it's a little bit arrogance from my point of view. They just assume people are going to keep listening because it's the club official podcast. They couldn't have got that more wrong. People are voting with their feet and they've moved away from it. And it's going to be very hard to get those listeners back. Now, we we work so hard to increase our listeners very, very slowly, but we try and do things right. Again, improve, listen to feedback and move forward. Um, And they've done completely the opposite. So, um, again, I'd love it to come back and be really good, but for now, it's been absolutely ruined for me. Sorry. Um, now, second bit of Broadfield Buzz,
0: Legacy TV.
1: Yes. I, I saw you react there slightly.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, it's a nice link, I suppose, from your last point, really. Um, that's, why I, that's why I put it second. It's not just, I don't just hash this together on the spot, Jonathan. In the nicest way, again, poor audio quality, even though uh, a mic was being used... Uh, I feel like people need to maybe get some media training in how to uh, frame a oh, shot. Bitter. Uh, well, the, the shots weren't nicely framed. They were all shot in an office. Um
1: right. If you're not sure what this is, Legacy TV. Um, it's called Being Crawley. I'm gonna, with with a, I'm gonna say a documentary, um, with a caveat that um, I'm not sure what makes it officially a documentary, but. I don't want to be too harsh on this because it's two local guys trying to give Crawley some extra exposure, get some experience in making some videos. So I really, really hope this goes really well for them. On their tweet uh, prior to the first episode coming out, they said the first episode is designed to give an insight to the match day and to meet the team behind the scenes to create familiar faces. Future episodes will focus more on the game week itself and the build up to game. So they certainly did that because this interview uh, with plenty of people and it will eventually become um, a what's going on behind the scenes around the club. Okay, now, a couple of things I wanted to pick up on, you've already mentioned one, um, because I did have a couple of constructive thoughts as I watched it, okay? So first of all, I'm not gonna be too critical again, because it's all gonna be very positive, I think it's hopefully gonna get better, but you said the sound was a bit off, the sound was off, it wasn't fantastic. Um, The graphics, I think, could have been a little bit clearer and the editing a little bit nicer, but again, it's a first effort, so again, it's just little things. And the worst thing for me was that just the sterile office that everybody was being interviewed in, just a plain white office. And I even went back on on to message their Twitter and said, look, why don't you put everybody just in their natural environments? So you could have Edo being um, interviewed in the dugout, You could have Bruce being interviewed in the press box and Kelly sipping tea at the Ritz with Kate Middleton. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Good humour. Good humour. I did like that. Um, And also a bit of constructive criticism for me as well. In the nicest way, just just watch other documentaries and see how they format stuff because things are done in a certain way because that's how people uh, consume media and that's how people uh, sort of take in the information you're trying to tell them. And I think it would really benefit them, uh, the structure of it and the flow of it, if they maybe had a presenter or if they linked it with a bit of music underneath to keep things going. It just felt a bit disjointed. And I've got one
1: really big question, Mark. I'm not sure if anybody else noticed it or whether I'm being really picky, but what is it about that scented reed diffuser that was in every single guest interview? Just sat, It was on the edge of the table. It even had its own leather chair, this scented reed diffuser. I felt like it needed like a caption. You know where you go like Edu comes on? Edu yeah, Rebo. Strap, yeah. so, like, yeah. Just one reed diffuser. <laughs> Ornament. Just underneath it. But uh, keep going, chaps. Good luck with it. We really hope to sort of it comes on in the next few episodes. And um, we're we're fully behind anything that gives Crawley Town more exposure. So um, if you need any help from us as well, you think we might be able to help, please just give us a shout on Twitter or any other sort of um, social media platform. Uh, talking about social media, point three, Broadfield Buzz. I'm not, I don't know how I feel about this. I just thought I'd raise it for you to give an opinion, really. Crawley Town, the F- Crawley Town FC official Facebook account have joined the Crawley Town fans Facebook Crawley Town for Life group.
0: How do you feel about that? casting a watchful eye over all the fans.
1: It's a bit odd, isn't it? I mean, they even said, Crawley said, thanks to the admin for allowing us onto this page. The aim is, the aim, having the club as a member on this page isn't isn't for spying purposes, but to answer any questions fans may have. We'd ask it if there's any queries surrounding non-football matters that you tag this club account and not personal accounts as we'll endeavour to get back to as many as we can as and when. I just, I'm a bit uncomfortable maybe having the the club... Facebook again in the fans group it just seems a bit odd to me I'm not sure if anybody else does that Um, because Kieran Sullivan actually said that he can't be the only person who feels a bit odd having the official Crawley page in the fans group I'm not sure of its relevance If it's to answer fans' queries, then they should be interactive on Twitter where people ask questions. Completely agree with that. Many times I have asked questions and not got a reply, as have others. Also, I distinctly remember Thomas Verheit being added to this group but removed a few days later for a conflict of interest. Why is this any different?
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. I suppose the only thing I can think of is that uh, the admins of that group are not the club. So if anything were to happen that people weren't really happy with, they could be removed. Who knows? Um, Point four, Broadfield Buzz, we're nearly done. Update on the
1: scoreboard. This is from Hong Kong Paul. Um, He says, we've decided to go with my old mate Colin Robotham to import and install the scoreboard. Top guy. How much is it going to cost, Jonathan? Do you know? Have you seen this? Uh, Yes, but please remind me. It is £45,689, 32p plus VAT. He's going to pay a 25% deposit this week. It's just incredible, isn't it? It, it, and, and fair play to Paul and we've needed a scoreboard for a long time and this has been going on for ages he also says in that tweet well done Kelly, Joe Comper and Tom Orman you've got a great deal there uh, hashtag not tin pot on proud so I think it's still February-ish that the scoreboard arrives and it's been a long time coming I've almost got used to not having it I just use my phone now and my watch to sort of um, see where we are in the, uh, in, the in the game time but it would be lovely just to have a nice big scoreboard with adverts playing. I'm not sure we're going to get sort of replays or anything like that, but just a nice professional feeling. The stadium's okay, but a nice scoreboard does make a nice difference. When you go to a different ground and they've got an amazing scoreboard, you go... That's nice. That is very nice. And the final update, a second or final update, and the last bit for me on Broadfield Buzz. I know you said you got a couple of things, Jonathan. Uh, just an update on Gavin Green. Now, we mentioned a fan in the last episode who we'd, um, who we'd all helped get a job and sort of turn his life around. He has been inundated with support and requests from uh, the media for more in-depth um, uh, uh, ways to share his story. We had a little bit on Easter Day last week, which I was a little part of. I had about a five-second role in that, which was nice. Aldo did a, also did a joint interview with um, Gavin on Radio Sussex, which is about to come out this week at some point. Um, but yeah, he he is he is incredibly grateful. He has that we we assumed last time that we might have saved it li- his life. He has he said in his own words, everybody at the club, he he was gonna. He was going to commit suicide that day. Um, So ridiculously, again, well done to everyone involved. Um, Something we should be really, really proud of. Jonathan, have you got anything to add to Broadfield Buzz?
0: Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, The first one: Have you seen many of the pre or post match interviews that uh, Gabriel Triffy has done recently?
1: I do not listen to them because it is full of. uh, I can't. I cannot listen to it.
0: Well, I think those uh, uh, have slightly got a little bit (laughs) sadder recently. And um, just generally, just looking at Chioffi, he seems a little bit more worn to the ground. And, well, an answer came my way in the form of a Saturday newspaper this uh, weekend just gone. I don't know if you saw the article at all. No. But basically, there was an article written uh, looking at Chioffi and and what he does for the club. And it was basically saying that um, he was working himself into the ground so much that his wife warned him he was putting his health at risk. So Uh basically, he's been told... Um, advised by his wife to, to sort of step back and, and care a little less about the club because he was caring too much uh, about them. Do you know what? I I am very
1: well aware that his family is back in Italy and I think he flies, flies back every second weekend for like a day and a half which is absolutely admirable and you can't deny in interviews now Again, I, I genuinely don't watch them because I get a bit depressed watching it. It's very much downheartening, um, the, again, I said last time, the one guy I love at Crawley, Edu Rubio. His passion is incredible. It, even it came across in the Legacy TV documentary. And again, I should have mentioned, if you want to watch that on YouTube, search Legacy TV being Crawley, or their Twitter account is Legacy TV 001. So check that out if you do want to watch it. It, it is definitely worth a watch. And again, we hope it gets a little bit better, but it's um, it's a great starting point. But back to Gabriel Um uh, one thing, and I hope Naomi nods ahead here. You need somebody to inspire you in a dressing room, right? Ha- She's not in her head. Just to confirm. I I do not see how that man can inspire anybody in a dressing room when that seems to be his attitude, at least outside of that dressing room, ninety five percent of the time. Ha- can he get players going? Do we know? Might have to ask somebody. Um, one hit, one person who I think probably could. Eddie Rubio, you see him on the touchline when we're 4-1 down with two minutes to play. He's still screaming, clapping his hands, bending his knees, encouraging the players. He's, he is brilliant. He is the guy. I mean, I'm not saying let's put him in charge of uh, Gabriel Cioffi but if they said that was the case, I don't think I'd be disappointed, but I think they come as a pair.
0: Yeah, I don't know how the setup goes and, and, and all the sort of uh, chat that Cioffi gives. He always thanks his backroom staff and has, says how amazing they are. I just wanted to highlight this and show um, fans that maybe... Uh, Gabriel Truffi's doing more for the club than they realise because I feel like some fans are a little too harsh on him.
1: I think if we had a, an interview with anybody behind the club, they'd completely agree with that. I think I've spoken to Bruce a few times and he says people don't realise how much he does behind the scenes and how much passion he does have for the club, but it's clearly not coming across from a sort of PR point of view. So maybe that's something we're we're not getting right. But as so many people say,
0: you can talk about passion on and off the pitch, whatever it might be, it's a results game and we are not getting results. Second thing, um, have you seen that the whole kind of um, CTSA versus Hong Kong pool and the rest of the fans debate has kicked up again? Go on. Well, it's kicked up again. Uh, <laughs> basically, um, there was a, a set of questions put forward by fans through the CTSA to the board recently um, with their meeting with the board. And one of them was asking uh, basically for um, financial clarification about how Hong Kong Paul is involved in club matters. Well, that's never
1: been asked before, has it?
0: Uh, yes. And obviously, uh, Paul was, was quite distressed to, to see that still churning around. Uh, and from that, uh, the whole kind of CTSA storm blew up again.
1: I, I, and I completely get it because that question has been asked a lot and it's just come up again. The, the question's been answered and, and Paul now is, is more sort of, um, he clarifies almost everything. So nobody needs to know what the exact cost of the scoreboard was other than he's funding it. He gives out a lot of information. Um, and I completely get it. it used to be when he was sort of the, the official benefactor in those promotion years. Yes, it was a little bit sort of not behind closed doors, but there wasn't a lot of exposure whatsoever. But that has all changed. That was so far in the past. We've, we've moved on so far. Um, I think everybody, I think 95%, 98% of people maybe are just grateful that he's now around. Grateful that he's, a, he's one of the most passionate fans that I know um and we just need to sort of ride the wave and be more appreciative and again i'm i'm talking for 90% of the people we we absolutely are and he, and he knows that but there's this little group i'm not saying it's only the ctsa because i don't think that's absolutely true but um that there, there is a group who are still asking this question and the ctsa might come back and i'm sure they did they said um oh we've got to ask fans questions but surely if it's been asked before you can go back to that fan and say well look it's been asked before we don't need to we don't need to ask that again but thank you for, for thank you for your input um but no they've asked it again and they've got the same reply again and um, i'm aware the situation changes every so often so Paul is putting the money in for the scoreboard. Um, he's he's um, very much involved in the training ground. But again, the question has been asked since then. The the only difference I can see from the last time it was asked is, I think it came from South East today, when it was um, revealed, um, and I think everybody should be grateful again, and Paul could be very proud of himself, that I think he's funding the wages of Gavin at the club. So he, he is funding the wages of somebody, which has helped save somebody's life. And you go back to the question Has he got a financial involvement? I I find it ridiculous. I find it a bit sad, to be honest.
0: There was a load of questions asked in in this whole kind of um, proposal to the board with their meeting. But another one of the responses from the club from this uh, meeting was the the club said that self-sustainability is more important than achieving promotion to League One. Now, Paul has aired his views on this, that he thinks that uh, sustainability should be second, results first. What are your thoughts, Ewan? Um...
1: Yeah, everybody wants to see you watch exciting football, watch us move up the table. I think that what this comes from is also a couple of weeks ago, both both Gabriel Cioffi and Erdem Konya both said in a couple of interviews that 50 points was now the the minimum target. You go back three months and it was top eight. This team will compete. Um, We're aiming for a championship. Have those goals gone now? It sounds like those goals might be, let's put those to the side. Let's just concentrate on sustainability. I mean... As a as a football fan of any team, the last thing you want your sort of director of football, or I forget his position, advisor to the to the chairman, and um, your manager is saying, "Oh, let's just survive." I mean, I get it, but say it behind closed doors. If you want to inspire your fans to keep coming to games, don't say, "Oh, survival would be nice. That's nice." No be optimistic, say top eight, be realistic, say top half, maybe maybe change from saying top eight to let's say, let's try and get top half. That's okay, I can accept that, but don't say sustain, Just don't just say sort of survival is, is our
0: goal. Yeah, it did kind of annoy me a little bit. I feel like they've kind of changed the club from uh, progressing on the pitch to just surviving as a business. I'm, I'm sure they don't mean it to seem like that. <music>
1: And now, just time for a very quick added time here at the end, Jonathan. Um, Number one, AMS are looking for new AD commentators. That's what we do.
0: Yeah, just in case you don't know, this is Alan March Sport. So uh, I think the club Twitter will be promoting it. But if not, then search for Alan March Sport online. Yeah, you'll there's find a, the details. on
1: the club website, there is a big story about it. So the training day is the 12th of January. Now, just to let you know, this is what me and Jonathan do. So on a match day, we provide commentary AD, which is audio descriptive. So any hard of sight or blind fans in the stadium, we commentate to them. Um, so you can do that and it can take you places as well. Secondly, our FA Cup second round tie, you mentioned this earlier, is going to be... On Sunday, December the first, kickoff two pm. That's to allow for BBC and overseas non-live TV broadcast, which is nice. And other cup news: Reds have been drawn at home at home to Lancing in the third round of the Sussex Senior Cup. Are you going to be there?
0: Does it mean more to you than the Leasing.com Trophy?
1: I think it probably does. I honestly think it just feels like a homely competition. I don't care if we go out in the first round or second round. It doesn't bother me. I think it's nice to get to... um, No, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say it's nice to get play down at Brighton, but we've been so bad there the last two times. Um, I just think it's a nice homely cup, um, and I I, I would value it higher than the leasing.com trophy, yes. And last thing, GH Coaches, go on the website. Any away games coming up, um, I've not written down too much info, because all I ever do is just refer to the website. So go on ghcoaches.co.uk or get in touch with Alan and Pat if any away games coming up, and they will most definitely look after you. So that just leaves us to say, Jonathan, thank you to you. Thank you to myself. But most importantly, thank you to Naomi for joining us uh, this evening. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you. Fantastic insight. And hopefully this can encourage more fans to get down to Crawley Wops on a Sunday as well. Any final thoughts, Jonathan? No, it's been great. a cracking podcast, it's flown by. It has indeed. So thank you very much for listening. Again, leave us your feedback and tell your friends um, and we'll see you again in two or three weeks, I'd
0: imagine. Yep. See you also in two or three weeks. Thank you very much. Bye bye.